0: Hello and welcome to Wangaratta Baptist Church. My name is Pastor Aaron. I'm so thrilled that you've decided to join with us today for this message. This message was recorded live at one of our Sunday morning services, which are on every Sunday at 10am right here in Wangaratta. If you're here uh, in town on a Sunday, then why not come along and join with us in fellowship with other believers as we open the word together and hear from the scriptures. But if you are connecting with us online, don't let this replace, uh, coming to a, a local church. Uh, they are vitally important for the growth of all believers. And so get along to your local church. But if not, then, then at least help, let this be a supplement to help you in your walk with the Lord. And so we do believe that the, the scriptures are the inherent word of God and they're here to train us and equip us. And so we will be speaking and opening up the scriptures together. So, so get your Bibles out and follow along. And I trust that this message that you are watching today will really encourage you and inspire you and help you understand the hope that we do have in Jesus Christ. May it be a blessing to you.
1: Hey, it's great to be here
0: with you. Um, as Aaron said, I'm a
1: part of the Baptist Union and I bring greetings from the, the wider Baptist church and and Daniel Bullock, who's the uh, head of denomination. And um, it, it's been so good in the last year to see how well our churches have flourished. And uh, even though they haven't been meeting together, they've actually flourished in this, in this space. And we've been really praying as a, as a Baptist union hub and an office for the churches and the, and the pastors. It, it was interesting um, last week... I used to be the pastor at the Sale Baptist Church, as many of you know, for about 22, 23 years. And um, two and a half years ago, I resigned to take on this position as the regional pastor. Someone who just travels around Baptist churches and cares for pastors, drinks coffee and gets paid for it. So it's a, it's a pretty good gig, really. Um, and uh, and I love it. But, I, but I, I, I resigned from my senior pastor role at Sale Baptist and, and after... Um, the church searched for their new senior pastor, they put on my eldest son, really un-Baptist thing to do. And um, he'd been on staff with me for about uh, 14 years, I think. Um, and, and so he, he's taken the church to a whole new level and a whole new space. Well, about a month ago, he rang me and said, hey, Dad, how would you feel like going back on the preaching roster? Like I took a real step back from Sale and hadn't really been involved in much, I said, oh, I'd love to. You want to put the old man back in the pulpit? That's, that's fine, you know, if you want to do that, that's fine. So last Sunday was my first Sunday preaching at Sale since I left and it's the first time I'd really done anything in ministry at the church. And uh, I, I got up into the pulpit and the screen at the back had this countdown clock of how long I was allowed to preach for. <laughs> And I said, oh my, things have changed
0: here.
1: <laughs> I used to preach for as long as I liked and no one would tell me off. And, and you know, as, as I've sat and watched my son, it's been really easy to fall into this comparison situation of comparing what he's been doing as to what I used to do. And uh, I've really fought against that. And the Bible teaches about not comparing us with others, because it's it's not a helpful thing to do. Um, It's not helpful for me because he's doing a much better job than I ever did. So it's not good for my self esteem to, to do that. But these two parables I wanna talk about this morning are really parables where we are asked to compare. We're asked to compare two groups, two people, two situations. And uh, the, the parables that were read to us earlier in Luke 18, that, that parable of the unjust judge. You know, I, I don't know what you think about when you think of a judge and a court. You know, Wangarez probably got a courthouse, have they? Yep. yep. And it's probably this big, empowering building that's sort of, you know, in a prominent place, it's stable. You know, is, is it still the original building or is it a new one? Still the original building. So it's, you know, it, it is, you know, it, it is going to be something that everybody knows where the courthouse is house is in Wangaratta. And if you go past the courthouse at Wang, when it's sitting, you will see people milling outside, waiting for their time to be called before the judge. And that's, that's the image you get. You get this, you know, there's a structure, There's a timetable and and there's procedures and there's policies and there's law and that's the way the courthouse functions. Take all that out, that's not how this court functioned. This court functioned in a tent. It travelled around a little bit like a circus and in some sense it was a circus because the judge sat but the judge decided who he would see and who he wouldn't see. And his assistants would sort of go around outside the tent, sort of milling with the people who wanted to come before the judge to see who would give them the most money so that they could bring the case before the judge. So the only way he'd get before the judge was to bribe the assistants. So here's this widow that wants to get before the judge has no money to bribe anybody, so all she can do is make a nuisance of herself. And the assistants go in and go, this lady's driving me crazy. You better hear a case. That's the basis of where we come. It's a totally different situation. This widow had three huge obstacles to overcome if she wanted to come before the judge. First of all, she was a woman. Very little legal standing, very little status by herself and she had to overcome that she was a woman. She can't change that. Not only was she a woman, she was a widow. So she had no man to stand next to her, no man who would actually stand for her and speak for her because she couldn't speak herself. And as I said earlier, she was, as a widow, she would be poor and have no money to pay the bribe. She was in a hopeless situation. There was no way known she should have got before the judge. And we come to this parable of contrasts. And Jesus tells the parable we're told because of a contrast. He says, I'm telling this to you, he said Jesus told this parable, this is in Luke 18 verse 1, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. There's the first contrast. There's the first comparison. You either pray or you give up. That's your choices. You either keep on praying for what God has laid on your heart and, and what is really burdening you or you just give up. Or a better translation might be to faint. I don't know if you've been with someone who's fainted. They just go, boom, and they're out like a light. And that's our choice. I can guarantee there's people here or watching online who have been praying and praying and praying for something, for a particular thing, a particular person, a particular situation for six months, six years, maybe even 60 years, and you have a choice to keep on praying or to faint, to give up. And this parable's here to say, don't give up. Don't give up. We're told to, to uh, always pray, to pray without ceasing. The only other option of that is to give up. Jesus then invites his disciples to contrast the widow with God's people. The widow who we've, we've sort of touched on a little bit. This, this widow was a stranger. This widow wasn't known to the judge. This, this widow was coming to plead her case to a total stranger. In contrast, we come... To our God, as a part of his family. Someone who knows the hairs on our head. Someone who knows and has walked with us and will never leave us. It's a huge contrast. We're not a stranger to our God. He knows what is burdening us. <coughs> this widow had no access to the court system, no access to the, to the judge we God's people are oh, welcome. You know, it 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 says in, in, in different places that we in the scripture that we can come boldly into the presence of God. And I'll talk about that in a little bit more detail later. But we can come boldly. We don't have to sort of tiptoe and and hope and make a pester of ourselves outside and, and, and hope he'll invite us in. No, we can come boldly into his presence. He welcomes us into his presence. You know, when I leave here, I'll go to Wodonga, I'll go to my daughter's house, and I don't have to be with fear and trepidation, hoping, hoping that she'll be excited to see me, hoping that she'll have a place where I can sleep the night, hoping that she'll welcome me. I can go boldly because we're in relationship. And it's the same with God we can come boldly into his presence. The widow came to court alone. No support, no friends, no one to stand beside her. We enter into God's presence and our Saviour stands with us, pleading on our behalf, speaking on our behalf, introducing us to the Father saying, This is the one I died for. This is the one whom I love. This is the one who is the reason I entered into into earth and died on the cross. This is the one. It's a huge contrast. The widow had no hope, no promise. And, and didn't really expect a positive outcome, but she was desperate. We enter into God's presence not only boldly, but with a book of promises that we can say, God, you promised. You promised me. You promised me you'd listen. You'd promised me you'd, you want the best. You promised me this. And we can enter into God's presence confidently because of the promises we can have and the, and the word of God we can stand on. The widow came into a court of judgment, a court of judgment, a court of law. We come into a court of grace and mercy. We come into a place where, where our loving father sits on a throne of grace. The widow came to the court and pled out of her poverty, pled out out of her emptiness and her nothingness. And the Bible teaches that we we come out of the riches and we've got all the riches of heaven before us. And we, we come as privileged people. And that's why we can enter boldly into his presence. You see, we're nothing like the widow. We are the total opposite to the widow. As God's people, we have so much privilege. Then then the parable, and Jesus invites us to compare the judge and the father. Father. God is nothing like the judge. As we've said, all the welcome in his presence. You won't find justice or judgment in his presence. You'll find grace and mercy. But but more importantly, he doesn't answer us because we're persistently nagging. He doesn't answer us because we heap enough prayers on one side of the scale that eventually it wears him down so that he gives us an answer. He answers us. He answers our prayer out of compassion and love and willingness. This parable teaches us to come before a compassionate God, boldly claiming what is ours. We don't need to beg or plead. It's a life-giving parable. It's an amazing parable. When I first became a Christian, I was taught, it wasn't called this, but I was taught worm theology, that I'm just a worm in this world. I'm a nothing, I'm a nobody, and God, out of his graciousness, Sort of accepts me. And, and, and if I come before him, you know, I, I better plead and hope that he accepts me. There's a group of Christians in sale that every Friday lunchtime they come to the center of sale, they open up their Bible and they start preaching. And they just stand in front of the Commonwealth Bank and it's quite amazing to watch. They come in three different cars, there's three of them, and they they hardly talk to each other they they walk up and they just start preaching. One goes for about five to ten minutes and then just stands back and the next one comes forward and goes for five or ten minutes, and then the next one comes forward, then they get in their car and they drive off It's quite staggering to watch i I watched it a few times, I actually tried to talk to them once and they didn 't want to talk to me, which was I acted like I was an, I was interested i didn't say who I was or anything. I said, so which church are you from? Oh, we're just Christians. Oh, okay. Anyway, but the whole message is one of an angry judging God who is sending people to hell. It's so enticing. It's so inviting. It's so encouraging. You know? I can just imagine someone going, oh, i I." I I better. I want to know that person, that angry, judging God. I couldn't think of anything better than spending time with that, with that being, you know. But this this parable teaches us about a compassionate God. But there's also, if you take this parable too far, and I've seen people talk to me about this and I've seen people pray like this and I've seen people um, act like this, they don't only come boldly but they come arrogantly and they go, I deserve because it's in your word, God, you promised, therefore you've got to give it to me. My kids came to me and said, you said you love me. I want this for Christmas, i they go, yeah, well, good on you. You can dream about that. They can come boldly and ask me, but they don't demand. And, and like anything, if we take a passage of scripture just, in its, just by itself, we're in danger. And Jesus told the next parable, I think, in this place for exactly that reason where he told the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. You know, and he says, to those who are confident of their own righteousness. In other words, if you take this, pa- this first parable too far, you can be confident in your own righteousness. He says, just listen to this. Just listen to this one. I've got another story for you. There was this Pharisee. And it's a parable of contrasts again. The Pharisee who focused on himself, aren't I good? Haven't I got it all together? I do everything right. I deserve God's blessing in my life because I've got it all together. I tithe everything. I act out appropriately. I live a righteous life. He deserves an answer. He's earned his right standing with God. Whereas the tax collector goes, I don't even want to look. I don't even want to look. I know where I stand with God. That my best righteous acts are like filthy rags that I can never earn or deserve his love. I understand the enormity of my sin and all I want is mercy. All I want is forgiveness. The tax collector is actually calling out the Beatitudes, isn't he? Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who recognise who they are within Christ. That they are poor, they recognize they are poor within themselves, but God gives them so much. You know, at the end of the parable, you think Jesus would say, Guess which one went away with their prayers answered? That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for, I wonder whose prayer got answered. But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. What was more important? Not whether the prayers were answered, but his standing, his right standing with God, his relationship with God. That's what was more important. You know, we, we can. Think, I need my prayers answered. I need to keep on praying, get my prayers answered. That's not the goal in life. The goal in life is to have a relationship with God and be in right standing with him. Not what we want, our prayers answered, but what we need, a relationship with God. That's what it's all about. You see, we don't come arrogantly before God. We come boldly and there's a big difference. We come boldly knowing that he will accept us, that we can have right standing with him. We don't come arrogantly saying, I want my prayers answered. We come boldly saying, I know my relationship is right because of the one who died for me. That's what we're bold about, not about getting our prayers answered. And I think it's really easy to sort of get those two things confused. Yes, we should keep on praying and never give up. And if you're one of those people who have been praying and praying and praying for someone, something, some situation, then my encouragement is the same as Jesus. Keep on praying. Keep on persisting. Not that the nagging will change God's mind. But what it means is you are living out your faith. What was the question in the first parable that Jesus asked? Will I find faith on earth? Why do you keep praying? Because you have faith that your prayers will change the situation. That's faith in action. You're praying and keep on praying, is your faith in action. Never give up. Approach God boldly, confidently, but not arrogantly. And recognise that you have right standing with God because of what Jesus has done for you and for me. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word that teaches us each and every time we open it. Father, I thank you for the encouragement to keep on praying. And for those here who have been praying and praying and praying, I pray that they will continue to know your encouragement. Help them to recognise their relationship with you and may they boldly stand on that. Father, I pray that we will continue to have a right attitude as we approach you. One that is confident and bold, but not arrogant. And Father, I pray that you will bless each and every one of us as we go this week, that we will have the faith to continue to live out, to speak out, and to and to pray for those things that you've laid on our hearts. And we
0: pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.